Welcome into episode three of This Is Baseball. I'm Brandon. Let's get into it. The Tampa Bay Rays have added on to their win streak to start the season, making it 11-0 now. Naturally, that got me wondering what the best start to a season was in MLB history. And for us to find that out, we're going to have to go all the way back to the 80s with the 1982 Atlanta Braves and the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers, both starting the season 13-0. The 1982 Braves finished that season 89-73, clinching the NL West to face off the St. Louis Cardinals in the playoffs, ultimately falling short to them that season. The 1987 Milwaukee Brewers finished the season 91-71, ultimately falling short of making the playoffs taking third in the American League East. Now, typically, in today's MLB, 91 wins would get you pretty much a guaranteed spot in the playoffs, but in the 80s, there was only a championship series between the West and East winners. There wasn't a third and fourth team added to the playoffs until 1995 when they implemented the wildcard team. With this hot start from the Tampa Bay Rays, it got me thinking, are they the new team to beat in the American League? I think this definitely puts them in the conversation of winning the American League East, getting off to such a good start. It's obviously very early in the season, but this has to make you feel good about the outcome of the Rays season and the possibility and likelihood of them playing in October. With the Rays' hot start, it got me kind of thinking about just how good Tampa Bay has been really since they went to the World Series in 2008. Since 2008, they've been to the playoffs eight times, and... I honestly would have bet that it was more than that. They went in 2008, lost to the Phillies in the World Series, then were back in in 2010 and 2011, 2013, and then they had a gap from 2013 to 19. Then they were in the 2020 World Series in that abbreviated COVID season, losing to the Dodgers, and then they have been in the playoffs ever since, and will in all likelihood, be playing in October again, especially with the expansion of the playoff format. Since 2008, the Tampa Bay Rays have been the model small market franchise as far as success goes. Now, they obviously haven't actually won a World Series. They've been to two. They also can't get their fans to show up. They're basically bottom five in attendance every season. I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that they arguably have the worst ballpark uh, along with Oakland. So I think fans would probably show up to their games if they had a better stadium. But overall, if I'm a Rays fan, I would take the, the run that they have been on since 2008 because Baseball is not built for a team like the Rays to not only have success, but have sustained success. 
And that's exactly what the Rays are doing. And they really don't show any signs of going away anytime soon just because they are one of the better run organizations and have a good front office and, and good management all around. Now, all they really need to do is just get into a new stadium. I know that there have been talks with the city for the Rays to get into a new ballpark and hopefully that happens sooner than later. But the Rays success got me thinking. So I'm a Royals fan. I live in Kansas City. The Royals have been to the playoffs twice in like the last 40 years. Now they made the most of their playoff appearances in 2014 and 2015. 2014, they hosted the card game and then went undefeated in the playoffs until the World Series and ultimately fell to Madison Bumgarner and the Giants in seven games, but then came back in 2015 and beat the Mets in five to win their first World Series in 30 years. And it got me wondering, would I rather have the Tampa Bay Rays sustained success where I feel pretty good about their playoff chances every year? Or would I rather have the Royals where basically no playoff appearances, but you want a championship? And I think I would take actually winning a championship and then having down years over the last 15 years for the Rays, I don't know. That's that's actually one that I go back and forth on because there are just miserable seasons for Kansas City. More often than not, I've obviously come accustomed to it over the years. I do like to believe or want to believe that Kansas City is turning a new leaf um, with their front office and how they go about roster construction, overall team philosophy, management style. I feel like I at least have something to look forward to that we haven't really had for, you know, since 2013 really is when the Royals that went on the championship run really showed up and showed that, oh, they can do this. I think that Kansas City has a lot of the right people in place for them to form sustainability and success for more than just one or two years. Now the clock is ticking on a lot of these young guys, so they're going to need to hopefully next season take that step forward but we'll see there's a lot of progress to be made this season and a lot of progress that I think is going to be made with the young guys specifically from an offensive and pitching standpoint staying with the small market theme I want to take a look at 
the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have gotten off to a 7-4 and four start, which if you're a Pirates fan, you'll take that because it's going to keep you interested for a little bit until the other shoe drops, and, and I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Pittsburgh is not supposed to be good, nor do I think that they're going to continue to win games. I especially don't think that because really the one player that Pirates fans have to get excited about is O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz fractured his ankle over the weekend uh, due to a collision at home plate. The collision was not egregious. It wasn't uh, a Buster Posey, Scott Cousins kind of collision, which is the collision that changed the home plate rules entirely. It was more the White Sox catcher fielding a ball, O'Neill Cruz kind of sliding awkwardly and fracturing his ankle. Unfortunately for him and the Pirates, that's going to put him out at least four months. So that definitely is going to put him out past the All-Star break. In all likelihood, it's probably going to be August before you see O'Neill Cruz back playing for the Pirates. Just a really tough blow for not only the Pirates, but O'Neill Cruz. He's a young player. He's going to be a star in the league and just a really kind of awkward and unfortunate injury. So... O'Neill Cruz, get better soon because the Pirates need you. Former major leaguer and 2017 World Series champion Evan Gaddis decided to make some tweets over the weekend, specifically on Easter. And he opened up about the Houston Astros cheating scandal a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, but I never get tired of hearing or talking about the 2017 Houston Astros and the fact that they cheated. If you, for some reason, don't know, the 2017 Astros um, were caught cheating and stealing signs. Basically, they had a video room set up by their dugout, and they had a feed looking at the opposing team's catcher and what signs he was putting down. And they would decipher the other team's signs and then would bang on a trash can, you know, one or two times, depending on the pitch, whether it was a curveball or some other sort of off-speed pitch, they would bang on the trash can loudly a certain amount of times to alert their batters that, hey, an off-speed pitch is coming, be ready. If the batter didn't hear a bang on a trash can, they knew that a fastball was coming. The Astros weren't the only team to do this. They're just the most notable. The Red Sox did it in 2018 a little bit differently. Allegedly, a lot of teams were doing this for years, but obviously the Astros won a championship and it was made a huge deal. So someone asked Evan Gaddis on Twitter, 
how many bangs of the trash can did you hear in 2017 postseason? And he replied, it depended on the pitch. And someone said, was the pitch you hit for the homer in game seven of the ALCS a trash can bang? And Gaddis replied, said, yes, I'm pretty sure it was a backdoor cutter. Gaddis also openly admitted to taking PEDs in 2017. Now, he did clarify and say that he was talking about Adderall. Um, I guess that falls under the category of PEDs, but not the PEDs that you would typically think. I will just continue to find the 2017 Astros cheating scandal incredibly fascinating. I, I would love for a documentary to come out about it because my biggest question is how did it start and why was everyone just on board with it? Was it a matter of not wanting to, you know, look be looked down on by your teammates or I don't really know, but I find it incredibly odd that essentially an entire organization was like, yes, let's cheat. And it ended up working out for them uh, because they won the 2017 World Series and then were caught for cheating and every player on that team was given immunity. So it's like it never happened anyway. Definitely not mad at all. The only real punishment that happened to the Astros outside of a fine and the loss of draft picks, which you could make an argument that draft picks in Major League Baseball don't hold the same value as losing a pick in the NFL. So I don't really know if that was an actual punishment. Uh, but for personnel, the only punishment was their manager, A.J. Hench, getting a year suspension and their general manager, Jeff Lunau, getting a year suspension. Now, Astros owner Jim Crane took it a step further and just went ahead and fired both of them. A.J. Hinch and Jeff Loonhow both lucked out, though, because the season that they got suspended ended up being 2020, which was only a 60-game season anyway, so it's like it never happened. A.J. Hinch is back in baseball managing the Detroit Tigers, and... I think Jeff Lunau is out of baseball entirely because nobody liked him anyway. The moral of the story is you might as well cheat to win a championship because Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is just going to give you immunity anyway. I honestly haven't minded Rob Manfred uh, and some of the changes that he's made, the way that some people have been bent out of shape by it, but I think this is really the one thing that he just got wrong. He had an opportunity to make an example out of a team and didn't. But you know what? Everybody has a team to hate and Astros players and Astros fans have made fools out of themselves during the process and after the process. What's so incredibly frustrating about the 2017 Houston Astros team is pretty much everybody was rooting for them. They were such a fun team, incredibly talented, and just an easy team to get behind because they hadn't won a title before. So everybody was like, let's go. 
I think we all liked the process that the Astros had put together and were happy to see it finally come to fruition just for it all to be a lie. I definitely did not plan on going down the Astros cheating scandal rabbit hole, but I'm glad I did. I'm Brandon. This is baseball.